Burger Click Productions 15 Minutes of Fame podcast features Andrew and Alex from the California-based punk band Atomic Jellyfish. Here's their song, JFK's Brain. So if you can start off, say your name and okay. How about this in movie franchises out of all the movie franchises that exist in your opinion, what is the strongest third installment of said franchise? Does that work? Ooh. Yeah. Okay, cool. So whoever wants to start off. Ooh, strong go first, Andy. I'm going to say Godfather Part 3. No, I'm just kidding. Um, strongest third. <laughs> uh, I'm a, um, first one that pops to mind is uh, Captain America Civil War. Hell yeah. I really like Civil War. It's the third one. It's a good third movie. Excellent. Ooh. I don't know. What do you think uh, American Pie? A wedding. American is- Wedding, dude. Oh, American Wedding. Yeah. That's a great. That's always a great one. You get that one was pretty. Uh, that was a pretty funny one. We get uh, we get Stifler's mom back in the mix. Always a fan of that. You know, it's always a good thing. <laughs> Plus pubic. Yes, dude, pubic. How? What a great like. What a great skit. Just in general, shaving your pubes before your wedding. Which up until that point, it's like, dude. So you haven't shaved your pubes, but that's cool. Um, you know, up until that point, so she's just gonna be like totally taken aback anyway, right? But at the same time, it's like because look, it's gonna you, fuck. You don't trim; it's gonna look like a giraffe poking out of like the tree line, right? So it's like you trim shit down, and then on top of it, with this, it goes into the fucking cake. I mean, that's classic comedy. Fantastic, excellent choice, Alex. So. I th- everything looks good. On, everything looks good on this end. So I will go ahead and do the intros, and then we'll fucking we'll roll right into this. Is there? Nah, never mind. I was I was gonna ask is there anything that you don't want me to talk about? But fuck it, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we burn it, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the uh, <laughs> welcome to the fifteen minutes of fame uh, podcast here presented by Burger Creek Productions. I guess that's just me. Um, and I guess this is a podcast I'm sitting down. I'm joined with the rhythm section from the atomic jellyfish out in LA. Uh, gents, welcome aboard. Thank you. I like that intro, the rhythm section. <laughs> it's the most important part as a, as a fellow bassist. <laughs> That's myself, what we are. I, you know, the, the, the rhythm section is the backbone. It's the core. It's the engine of the entire, you know, fucked up machine that is a band. So I uh, I can appreciate a fellow rhythm section, so to speak. Um, now, my first question, and this is this is for both of you. I'd, I'd like the both of you to answer this question if you're able to. Your Bandcamp bio states that you're quality old school pop punk from Los Angeles. Now, in terms of that genre, what makes 
good pop punk quality versus just okay? What what takes in terms of pop punk? What takes it to the next level for each of you guys, in your opinion? Good question. I'm gonna start by saying what makes good quality pop punk is being not not so much on the quality side. You know, you need a little bit of you need a little bit of rust in there. You need a little bit of grain. Mm-hmm. Can't be too perfect and polished. Yeah, I, I like the more uh, the sloppy sense in the music that makes it more uh, more quality old school mm-hmm. is uh, not not playing to a perfection, but playing enough to a perfection to where people get it. But, you know? Yeah. It's got that wabi-sabi to it. It's kind of the, it's kind of the beauty of it. Yeah, like, you know, it's I, the beauty I, 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 I never believed in, I played in other bands that they were like, we got to tighten our music up. And I didn't like that idea because I didn't like to just play professionally i just want to play music you know mm-hmm. i think yeah, we play our to ourselves we just uh, recorded and we didn't even play to a click or anything we played to ourselves i've uh i've done the same thing i've been in bands where it's like hyper focused hyper like aware of everything and it's one of those things that especially like with this the band that i'm playing with now same thing we didn't record to a click. We recorded everything. We live tracked everything. It sounds great. We're tight. But aside from that, I think there's, you guys hit on something too with like just playing the music. There was this like pretty great quote that I heard like Alice Cooper like say, and I'm not like a huge Alice Cooper guy, but I liked what he was saying and it's nothing against him. I just never gotten his music, but he, he was basically saying like, wait, he makes music. I, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> thought he was a professional golfer dude he's a golfer um no it's uh he, he basically said something he's like you know i see i see these artists they've got the look you know they got the attitude but like where's the song right and i think that that's like one of the things that like good good like pop punk like classic gritty raw shit you it's the song it's about the fucking song it doesn't matter if you wear fucking PJs and in, 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 a, in a t-shirt or fucking you're naked up there. It's like if you're doing a song and people get it, like you said, playing shit good enough to where people understand it and get what you're trying to do. Fuck it, dude. That's good enough. You know, that's perfect. Yeah. So anyway, I digress. We don't need I've talked about Alice. I've, I've allotted my Alice Cooper discussion for like the year. So let's fucking let's move on. Um, in your opinion. <laughs> What is the most, uh, actually, you know what? I've asked this question a few times to different, a couple different bands from like California, specifically LA. And I want to get your guys perspective on this because you've played in other bands as well. Now I'm not from LA. I'm from New York. I'm on the East coast, but in your guys experience, what do you think is the biggest misunderstanding about like the independent or local music scene in LA? Mm. Like think of it think of it you in terms it, like think of it in terms like for example like one one of the things that I would say like that I've I think about when I think of like the music scene in LA is a there's a million places to play the place is flooded with musicians and artists so there's always shit to do and you know people are super cutthroat like is that that would be like a, an outsider's perspective. And I'm wondering if, if you guys have noticed like any misconceptions about what the scene is actually like. Oh man, if it's true about it being cut throat, that's that it's the complete opposite over here. Cause I, I grew up, well, I was kind of more, I was in a ska band 
and I played around a lot in like South Central East LA. And um, it's a lot of, you know, kind of tougher looking guys, cholo looking guys, but they're they're the nicest people in the world. Hmm. They're so nice. When uh, when you were doing like the ska stuff, were you guys like a full ska band, like horn section, everything? Um, were you doing more of the ska punk we had, stuff? We had um, yeah, it was a, a full horn section, but it was just two guys with a trumpet and I think one with a trombone. But they would only come around every once in a while. Usually, we just practice as a as a ska punk band. Nice. Have you guys had any like? like hard lessons that you've had to learn, you know, being like a musician in LA or has everything been pretty fluid so far? Um, pretty much. Um, Oh, you go ahead. Yeah, it's been pretty fluid when it comes to playing shows. You just got to try to find the right show. A lot of, uh, venues, uh, they only want a certain type of music or a certain type of band to play there. So a lot of the time, like you get screwed out on playing shows, on certain places like like the whiskey or some shit you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I, I mostly just uh, aim for the underground warehouse basement shows around here or the backyard shows backyard shows yeah a little a bar show somewhere outside of la you know mm-hmm. it's the uh that's the one thing i've noticed a lot like over here is all of a sudden every fucking venue has a patio all of a sudden you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we we can set up outside, which is great, you know, because now it's like we're seeing all these opportunities, places to play. But I don't know with you guys, our venues, at least like up in Albany, dude, we've had like a number of our places like close because they were just they were a club. You know, they didn't serve food or anything. They were just straight up like a place to play music and drink. So like we had a lot of places like locally like shut down and we don't know. If, we don't really know what the future's like. So I'm thinking I'm hoping it's going to be more of this reformation of like fucking VFW halls and basements and garages and fucking, pe- you know, decks and stuff. I'm hope barns, you know, all that shit. Mm. Have you guys had, Renaissance. have you guys had like, uh, how has it been out there? What, what's it been like? I know, I know I saw your post recently. I think you said, you know, it looks like shows are starting to come back. Like what's it been like for you guys? Yeah. Well, we almost had a chance to play shows with the previous guitarist, but that's a whole other story. Oh, that was a shit show. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that. This was, this was, this was a pre-pandemic. <laughs> so what What happened? Yeah, but you guys can talk uh, about it if you want. You want us to tell you that story? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Take it away. All right, so... So around 2019, me, Andy, and another guy, we played in a band. We This is how we uh, kept the band name. So we were called Atomic Jellyfish. But basically, he wanted he turned it into wanting to just be a jam band and not play shows after a while. He, just want, he didn't want to play shows because he thought it was not a good idea to play the shows. So then uh, me and Andy decided to break off from him and keep the name, keep a couple of his songs, and push forward to... Uh, find guys who wanted to play shows, mm-hmm. but then the pandemic hit. So we sat there about three months of the first part of the pandemic. Andy was just writing songs, and those are basically the songs that we're playing now. Yes, love the new atomic. But he like 
he did not want to play a show. Like we're not saying it hard enough that like he just wanted to play in a room and that's it. Nothing outside of that. I don't even think he wanted to record or anything. He just wanted to play in a room. Do you think, do you think it was just the type of thing where he's like, he wanted to be able to say yeah. he was in a band, but not actually do the other shit that comes along with being in a band. Like you said, recording, d- touring and playing shows like, cause I've met people like that and it's just, well, you know, I'm in a band, but it's like, you, are you doing it though? You, you know what I'm saying? It's like, th- this isn't the sixties, you know, you're not the Beatles, <laughs> you know, recording. In the, you know what I'm saying? Like people want to find you, look for your stuff. Yeah. What is that? What is that practice space that you guys have with like the multi-layered yeah, shit? What is when, that? <laughs> that's a lockout from. Um, I played there with the guy who runs the the room. Plays in this uh, crack rock steady band, and I used to play drums for that band, and that's how I knew about that spot. So when we were re- uh, rehearsing at a rehearsal house, we were noticing the amount of money we were putting into this uh, for the rental rehearsals and we're like we can just save a lot of money and i'll talk to this guy and see if we can get into this lockout and sure enough he let us in he goes for you alex for sure definitely i'll let you get you you and your band and play so that's how we ended up in that lockout yeah but the first one it was like pay by the hour uh, here by their rules you know mm. it was like they opened at what 10 10 a.m done by before midnight or something like that at our like lockout it's a lot better because we could play at four in the morning if we really want to. It looks fucking awesome. That whole setup is great. Like with the multi-camera angles and stuff. And then you got homeboy up in like the loft area. Yeah, you know we, got, we got two levels. That's insane. That's insane, man. I I'm, I, I love the look of that. And it yeah. sounds good too. So it's like, like the first, like, like, like the first half of it is just an open space. And then I'm, I'm underneath the level. And then uh, Sal, our singer guitarist is on top. He's short enough to fit up there. <laughs> no shit. Nah, that looks awesome. That uh, and it still so it works out. Yeah, and we still keep our we still keep our distance. You got yeah. I know that that's like a you know a huge thing, uh, especially with people. Uh, I don't know if you guys have run into this with promoters, but like it's kind of hit or miss as far as like if some promoters are like, yeah, I'm trying to put stuff together, and other ones are like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that right now, but. Um, I feel like a lot of bands are just kind of ready to play as long as it's safe, it makes sense, and people can feel comfortable and have a good time, you know? Yeah. That's just what it sounds like. I mean, yeah. I'm kind of on that boat. I'm I'm ready to play. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think we do have a show coming up in Connecticut in fucking July. So we'll see how that pans out. But um, anyway, oh, actually, Alex, I wanted to ask you a specific question. Okay. Now, what how let me ask you this what would your answer be to somebody specifically another drummer who essentially would kind of stick their nose up at you and say that like playing in a playing drums in a punk band is fucking easy what would your response be to that i would hand on my drumsticks and tell him to show me <laughs> how easy it is to play at that speed play that speed for 45 <laughs> minutes asshole let's see how let's see how you do yeah I don't even know how the hell I managed to play nine hours and eight songs and like 90 plus tracks in the recording studio. It's insane. And one day my arms almost fell off. And then imagine the guy just telling me, oh, punk rock's easy. Playing drums, you just play and you just hit whatever. And I was like, nah, it's not that easy, man. I've had a 
I had a friend come over to my house and he's like, oh man, these drums are easy. And I'm like, cool, add your foot now. He goes, my foot? I'm like, yeah, your foot is your timekeeper. He goes, oh, let me try. And he just couldn't do it. Oh. <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, here's the drumstick back. You, you have fun with whatever you play. And I was like, thanks. It's, it's, always, <laughs> it's always one of those things that it's like, I think people often write that shit off. They don't understand. It's like, try, like you said, handing the drumsticks, do it yourself. Dude, when I've seen TBR, it's like, that always blows me away. I'm always blown away at like how in the pocket they play, how fast they play, and how consistently like on point they are. It's tight. They're a fucking tight band. And I mean, that really goes for, that goes for anything. Even like fucking Hoglog with the queers, it's like the same thing. He's like, they are tight. And it's like, I don't care who you are. It's like, you go up there and you play fucking, you know, 29 songs in an hour and, you know, an hour and five minutes or 45 minutes or whatever it is. It's like, that shit ain't easy, man. That's difficult. It's a, it's cause it requires that consistency and like, you know, you gotta be on time. It's not necessarily about the flash, you know? Perfectly said. I like your response too, though. It's, it's the on time. Uh, yeah. It's a, the keeping tempo, the keeping tempo and the, uh, and the playing fast is not a good mix because the faster you play, the more you're going to lose the tempo, but then you still got to keep yourself steady at some point mm-hmm. is probably the biggest challenge of being a punk drummer. Do you, um, what's the, what's the last like live show that you guys got to see before all this like lockdown happened? Oh, last live show. I think the last live show I got to see was, uh, the addicts. Oh shit. Yeah. Dude, how good was that? It was so fun. The addicts, <laughs> the, the addicts always put on a great show, but um this was this was nice. It was outside in some type of like outdoor bowl looking venue. I forgot where it was. I think it's someone in somewhere in Orange County, but it was a great show. Did they play at night? Was it like an, an evening show? It was it was at night, yeah. Cool. Cool. That that's one band that I, I... I kind of did the same thing with Motorhead and I regret it now, but like, I kind of was just like, yeah, the addicts are always, they've been around fucking forever. They're always touring. Same thing with Motorhead. I'll catch them next year. And it's like, I didn't. And I'm like, well, fuck me. So it's like, I had the the opportunity to see the addicts. I think 20, either early 2020, I think it was like February, 2020 or something, or maybe it was 2019. It doesn't matter. It was like in the winter and it was like in the middle of the state and it was on like a Tuesday and the weather was like shit. And I was like, I can't, I, I'm sorry. Like I'll wait until they come back around, but they're a band I've been wanting to see for a very long time. And I know that they tour all the time and they put on a great show from everything that I've seen, the live recordings, it, it, they're, they're big consummate showmen, you know? Mm-hmm. They are festive. <laughs> so what's you got, your last show? Huh? Yeah. What's your last show? I don't, I don't quite remember. I'm pretty sure it was a local show. But I think the last big show I saw was probably like the, the end of the year of 2019. Damn. Isn't that weird? But I also don't remember because that was so long ago. I, isn't it weird <laughs> to like say that and kind of look back on it? It's like, shit, 2019. It's like, fuck, we lost a year. I mean, we didn't lose a year, but like we lost a year, you know? It's the, the before time. Yeah, right? I, no, that's. I think it was a very productive year because, you know, we... Yeah, we were able to write music and start a whole new project with the same name, me and Andy, and then still get his cousin to join. And then we found Josh later on in the line. So I feel like it was more productive on my end 
because I was still able to kind of go to work and then I was still able to learn songs and write songs and, you know, to be where we're at now. I mean, yeah, that's true. It is the birth year of the atomic jellyfish, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of strive through it. Like if, if it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have just been like, all right, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write songs. That just came to be because of boredom and determination. <laughs> So, so Andy, basically when I was talking with Josh and he was getting this set up, he had said that you're kind of the chief songwriter. Did you find, did you find like during the pandemic, like being in lockdown and all that shit, was it easy to write music without having like the group sourcing and kind of like everyone, I don't know what your songwriting process is like, but I'm asking like, did you find it easier or harder in pandemic, you know, in a pandemic lockdown as opposed to prior to that? I found it easier, to be honest. You know, I had some extra time. Like, I was still working, but I got my hours cut back. So I had a lot of time to just do nothing. So I was able to just, be, like, just say, like, I'm going to sit down, write a song. Let's see what happens. Or go through old ideas where I just have, like, a line. And I'm, a, I'm like, I'm going to build on this. And it worked out, you know. Um, my process is pretty much I just kind of try to write bare bones by myself. You know, um, chord progression melody and lyrics and then show it to the guys and they all put in their little input you know like oh we should do this here a bridge here repeat this part and we we build it together but i kind of just structure it on my own that's cool it's it's one thing that i've noticed too a lot with like this pandemic is up here we have had bands that literally haven't done anything they didn't do and, and they don't That's have crazy, to right? they don't they don't have to but it blows my mind because like in in the same sense like I had a, I had a band I was playing with we kind of were on the brink of like disbanding or taking a break and like both my drummer and myself were like fuck it we want to keep doing stuff so like literally starting in March like we ended up finding this kid we wrote a bunch of music recorded like we were active. I'm not going to die on the fucking vine because I can't play. Like I need to do, I need to keep doing stuff. You know, I want to keep doing stuff. I love it. So it's, we were just blown away with how many bands like literally didn't, they were just like, nah, done. It's like, well, okay. I mean, that's your choice. It's fine. But it just blows my mind as like a musician, an artist, like this is part of me, you know? Yeah. It should be yeah. any time to do it. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the recording process like for you guys? Was it pretty like strict? Like actually, better question: Was it weird wearing masks like the whole time while you were recording? Because I know it was kind of it was kind of strange for me, but luckily we had booths, so like we could take stuff. You know, we could take our masks off when we were in the isolation booths and shit. It was weird. Uh, me and Andy were in the same room. Andy Andy was maybe about fifteen feet away from me, but I. I took off my mask halfway through the recording because I just couldn't breathe. <laughs> and he he made me keep mine on. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Fucking brutal. <laughs> hey, it was hey, Andy, it was my time to shine, not yours, okay? I know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure during some of your drum recordings you could hear my my covered breathing because I was playing right there. <laughs> so do you guys do you guys have a date yet yeah. uh for like the release of uh this next little little record these recordings or is it still kind of in the works um it's in the we kind of, kind of 
we're kind of hoping for uh, maybe a, a before the end of the year, right? Maybe fall. Yeah. What did we decide? What, what was our goal? Um, we we still need to finish uh, Andy's vocals and we need to finish gang vocals and that's it for the recording uh, part of itself. And then we got to get it mastered and then we got to figure out uh, where we're going to get it pressed. That's true. Are you guys so, doing? Are you guys doing? So as soon CDs? as uh, we have an, yeah, as soon as no, we're going to do a seven inch nice. and digital release. That's awesome. So. Uh, we, uh, as soon as we we have an idea of uh, how long it's going to take to press uh, the records and everything, then we'll have an idea of uh, when to release everything. That's fantastic. So hopefully, that's fantastic. hopefully October, November. No, that's uh, that's great. I, you know, I feel like it might have been Josh, but somebody either like like messaged me directly like on Instagram through like the Burger Creek shit and like basically was like hey here's I think this is how it went down hey here's our here's our band you know here's our link for Bandcamp or whatever and it's cool to see kind of the progression from like the demo stuff which is great and I'm going to talk to you guys I'm I'm going to talk about this here in a minute like specifically your recordings but um it's cool that it's like you guys are in the next phase of it recorded oh yeah you're finishing recording you're pressing the seven inch yeah i mean that's you're doing it <laughs> you're, you guys are doing it you know it's fucking rad on the pandemic too i know and th- and we're talking about like utilizing making the best use of your time you know during this because you know we can't really play shows and shit so it sounds like you guys are on point so apart from uh apart from releasing physical media fucking seven inch what uh what else we got in store for 2021 um, we start pressing well, that too. Uh, we start pressing t-shirts next week, I think. Yeah, we're getting our, our merch. Own, we're gonna do it ourselves. That's awesome. So we'll have uh, t- we'll have t-shirts and we'll have patches made. Uh, we have our pins. We have stickers. They're available. If you send us an address, we'll mail them out to you. Um, yeah, I think that's for what we have for merch right now. Working on I can't. I, I can't wait to get started with those those shirts, man. They look fucking super cool. <laughs> they look cool. From what I've seen, uh, that's all. That's all. Josh's uh, artwork right there. Really? No shit. Yeah, Josh's our art man. That's cool. It's cool that you guys have like somebody in the band who's like you know hot shot fucking artist, and you can like bounce around ideas and stuff, and be like, yeah, you know, because I mean, honestly, Atomic Jellyfish alone, like that's a great name. Like I couldn't picture that as being like a fucking jam band. Like that's a that's a pop punk band, <laughs> or a surf right. or a surf band maybe. I don't know. Like yeah. I can see surf. <laughs> I I wanted to talk about the track uh, "Stuck in L.A." Essentially from your your demo release. I think I think I think that song has like all the elements that that make a good punk song great. Like we were talking before, like the it factor, right? Um, it's raw as fuck. You guys are tight. Everything sounds fucking fantastic. It's a good, it's a good song. It's a well put together song. And it, it just, I, I really like that one in particular. So I'm curious, for, I'm, I'm curious for the two of you guys. What was, what was the worst thing about being stuck in LA during a fucking global pandemic? The worst part of being stuck you in LA. Take it um, <laughs> I mean, the first things I would notice is just how, it, how deserted LA became, you know, 
it's kind of a hustle and bustle city. You know, you go, you get shows every, not, not only every weekend, but every day, you know, you could go, you could go see a stand-up show on a, on a Monday night, hmm. you know, places are crowded and just watching it, just the pandemic happened, just going outside and seeing nobody, nobody on the sunset strip, nobody, uh, anywhere. It's a, ghost town everything getting canceled the show that you that the show that you bought tickets for a month ago or you got your money back or they said it would happen it oh we're moving into april and that never happened it just the city died seems like it's it's almost like a tease right it's yeah. like we have this huge city that's that's super busy and everyone wants to come here and everyone wants to play it's like yeah you can't do that <laughs> yeah so one one last thing i want to ask you guys about um have you guys been to the hollywood cemetery yes have you seen johnny ramon's grave yeah i went to dd's grave thank you oh you did um i uh i saw johnny's and dd's recently i was i work in uh in motion picture and tv so we were shooting at hollywood forever and I kind of wandered off on my break and went to go visit Johnny Ramon's grave. That's cool. And and obviously, yes, and Dee's as well. But the, the the reason I say Johnny's in particular, because he's got that giant fucking like bust of himself playing. Of him playing guitar. Yeah, yeah. Got the got the old moss yeah. right in action. So it's just like a very it sticks out, you know. Both both important. So dude, so you work in television? In movies? Yeah. When were you going to tell me that? Yeah. That's like insane. <laughs> I'm saving it for episode two. Uh, <laughs> um, I, just, I just wrapped uh, season two of Truth Be Told, the uh, Apple TV show. No shit. Um, the, last, the last TV show I worked on was them. It's on Amazon. It's a really good, really, really good uh, uh, show to watch if you haven't seen it yet. But... But yeah, I, I do a lot of TV and then uh, I do a lot of commercials. I do I do it all. Wait, so Mo- uh, movies? Are you an actor? No, no, I'm. Uh, I work in uh, set lighting and electrical. I'm in the union. Nice. So, so you're not like a boom mic operator. No, no. I, I, uh, we're the ones who uh, lay all the portable power on location, and uh, we rig all the aerial lifts. So you see, like, a light up in the air, like 80 feet, 100 feet up in the air. Usually, uh, we we made that happen. So, two questions for you. What the fuck is a best boy? Okay. And and what the fuck is a key grip? Can you fucking put? Because I think I I think I know what the key grip does. I think the key key grip does like the fucking boom mics. But what the fuck's a best boy? That is the weirdest title I think I've ever heard. A best boy is pretty much a rock. I'll start with the key grip. Okay, so the key grip is the department head for the grip department. The grip department does camera and lighting support. So anything that's moving on the camera is usually the grip department. Anything that shapes the light to make it look softer or harder, that's the grip department. That's their their main job is shaping our lights. Okay. The boom up, the the sound guy is the sound department. That's a whole other department. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, The best boy, the best boy electric and there's a best boy grip so the best boy grip is the second in command of the key grip the best boy electric is the second in command of the gaffer or the chief lighting technician basically the guy in charge of 
lighting the scene. Ah. So I work a lot as a best boy electric or a electrical rigging best boy. So that primary job is usually hiring the guys, hiring the crew and maintaining um, equipment. No so shit. it's inventory and manpower. That's crazy. And that is the toughest motherfucking job ever. Because <laughs> now you're all, you're you have to do like you're doing like four or five locations in one week. You have to hire twenty other guys in addition to your five six guys who are already on your crew. And then with the pandemic, it was a it was a struggle because it's like, all right, can you work this day? All right, you need to get tested this day and this day before you start work. Mm. Jesus, that sounds like a fucking. So it was a lot of getting them tested. Yeah, it was a fucking mess. So it was like if you ask these guys, like from like March till like now, like my soul ended. It was just like constant. Like I looked stressed out. (laughs) You've been tested and probed so many times yourself. (laughs) So so yeah, we uh, we were getting tested twice a week. And all the actors and anyone immediate to the talent was getting tested every day. Wow. Because they go on set and they take off their masks. So anyone who was around the, the actors who were maskless had to get tested every day. It was a big struggle. So do you have any do you have any crazy stories about like being on set and like working with fucking famous people and shit? You got any insane experiences watching like fucking you know tom cruise knock someone out or fucking you know flip out or something or christian bale flip out on someone or whatever <laughs> alex was the guy christian no bale nothing like that I must have <laughs> that was you on the set of terminator salvation or whatever <laughs> that would be that would have been a fucking honor yeah for to real. get yelled at by christian bale no um no uh, not nothing crazy like that. It's just I I mostly work off production, so we're never really on set. But on the last show, on that Truth Be Told show, uh, we, I got to work. I got to see uh, Kate Hudson close up a few mm. times, and man, she was a fucking fox <laughs> in real life. Hell yeah! <laughs> well, it's always it's always one of those things, you know. You, you they always say like, oh, the camera puts on ten pounds or whatever, but it's like you know that there's certain people. It's like I know that you look that good in real life. Like I know. <laughs> I I feel like she would fall in there, you know. All right, we'll still, we'll send this this uh, podcast when it once it gets out to her. See what she says. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, she would walk up to us and be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" And wave at us. And we're like, "Oh hi, hey Kate." That's awesome. <laughs> That's how it is on that. Well, it's like it's like someone like her and someone like I don't know, fucking George Clooney, right? It's like I know that you're that good looking in real life. It's just weird. It's like they're one of those people. They have that fucking whatever the Hollywood or famous person look, right? It's just it's interesting when I yeah I, I don't know as if I've ever met anybody that like or talked to I should say who's kind of been in that like close proximity where you're like doing work with famous people on set. Not like, oh, I'm playing with this band. It's like these are actors, right? You know, it's not only that. It's not like he saw her like at a coffee shop. Right. He's like, she's working. She's doing right what she's doing. That's cool. Well, gents, is there anything else? It's it's the same thing. Go ahead. It's the same thing as um, 
as playing in a show with a big band, like if you were playing with Teenage Bottle Rocket or some big band like that, you don't go all like starstruck with them. You're like, hey, what's up, dude? How's it going? You, you treat them like a normal person, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with celebrities. You just go up, say hi, and shake their hand and treat them as another person. They just make twice as more money than you do. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> now, is there uh, is there any other things that you guys want to plug while we're at it? Any shout outs? Because I'm I'm pretty much done with my questions. Like I said, I keep it laid back, keep it simple. You know, give you the opportunity to kind of plug plug your tunes and any any shit coming up. But that's uh, that's pretty much all I got for questions. So if you guys want to, you know, give any shout outs or whatever, feel free. Oh well, shout shout out to the rest of our band, Sal, our singer guitarist, and Josh, yeah. our guitarist who made this all happen you know we're we're four equal pieces of a band so um wish they could be here too because we we really don't have like a leader we each have our own little part of this puzzle Mm -hmm. and just shout out to them (laughs) 